You're listening to the Propane Fitness Podcast, your ultimate resource for fat loss and muscle gain with none of the gimmicks. With your hosts, Yusuf and Johnny. Simple rules, dramatic results. Welcome to Propane Fitness Podcast. I am sat here with Dr. John Shui Zhang. Zhang. <laughs> I feel like I butchered that already. John is a man of many talents. Um, I discovered him a few months ago, basically, from some uh, videos from a guy called Master Wong, who is a hilarious uh, YouTube martial arts guy that went quite viral recently. Uh, John is a martial arts martial artist and martial arts teacher. He's a musician, um, stuntman, done lots of media stuff, and there is actually a beautiful portrait video um, that you can check out. We'll put it in the show notes to get a, a kind of clear overview of what he does, but it's doing some some form things out in the field, um, punching some stone, and basically, for such a big dude, he moves so swiftly. He is quite terrifying, and I'm quite glad that we're over on a Skype so that he's uh, he's far enough away. Um, he's also been on Take Me Out, so this is the second guest that we've had on, on Take Me Out. Welcome, John. <laughs> Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter how many things I do. Uh, take me out is always a thing people remember me for. It's uh, no one cares about the other stuff I've done. But uh, no, thank you so much for having me on. You know, I love what you're doing. You know, I've checked out your website and, uh, you know, loving your videos and love the content. So thank you so much. Thank you. I feel like uh, take me out is one of those things that just haunts you for the rest of your life. It would <laughs> chase you around. Yeah. Um, so, John, to start with, would you rather fight 20 duck sized horses or a horse-sized duck? A horse-sized duck. Okay. Can you talk us through why? Well, um, it's just you're only fighting one thing, and uh, if I'm fighting um, multiple opponents, for instance, your awareness has to be everywhere. You know, you're taking attacks from all directions. You're taking hits from everywhere. If I'm just fighting the one, I might stand a chance of getting away or maybe getting on the back of them and, you know, riding off somewhere. <laughs> uh, okay, fine. You get it in a chokehold. So so even taking multiple attacks from little tiny horses, you'd prefer to just focus on one thing? I think so, yeah. You know, okay. I think, um, yeah, it seems seems less dangerous somehow. <laughs> Ducks? I, I'd imagine a duck at that size could be pretty vicious, but yeah, fair enough. You're, you're the expert. So... Second thing, would you rather take a punch from Mike Tyson or take a kick from Bruce Lee? I think I'd rather take a kick from Bruce Lee. Okay. Um, and it's because, um, well, how many people can honestly say they've been kicked by Bruce Lee? You know, um, <laughs> and uh, I'd also say, um, yeah, you know, Bruce Lee, the man, the legend, you know, I think it'd be quite an honor to be kicked by him it might hurt a hell of a lot i'm sure it would though uh i think it would be worth it um i think if mike tyson hit me maybe i did something to anger him <laughs> okay so fine so, so the criteria there really is less about how much would each one hurt it's more what what gives me more um credibility points afterwards to say i was kicked by bruce lee Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd wake up in hospital after both of them. I'd be like, hey, guys, guess what? <laughs> Instant selfie opportunity, definitely. Oh, um, John, what's your PhD in? So uh, I actually, actually specialized in counseling, and I'm doing a second PhD at the moment in psychology. So uh, at the moment, I'm focusing on conflict management. Um, so I'm looking to do some stuff with that uh, in terms of um, – because I know a lot of martial arts schools, they teach um, – 
teach a lot of self-defense and everything, but I feel that conflict management and conflict resolution is something that needs to be introduced. So I'm doing some research at the moment for my current PhD for that. Okay, cool. This is part of the the reason I wanted to talk, talk to you, really, because you've there's so many facets to what you do, and you seem to bring them together in a way that is quite cohesive, despite on the surface them being very very separate approaches. Um, so I suppose before we start, can you give us some background on you as a whole? So the the martial arts, how that started, what um, what disciplines that you you've done, and then also how you kind of tie it all together with what you do in your day job. Sure. So basically, uh, I started training when I was five um, under my father. And, you know, we, we trained in a lot of different styles like Kung Fu, different styles of Kung Fu. And um, so I um, started training under a guy who taught the SAS, who um, I learned a lot of different styles from him, you know, and uh, I trained with a lot of different people as well, though. I think... Um, you know, I, I think I did, um, it was like, I started off with karate, in addition to the kung fu, uh, aikido, jiu-jitsu, hapkido, anis, which is Filipino, and salat, which is Indonesian, which, uh, so like a broad range of martial arts. And my father was always said to me, you know, um, doesn't matter what, where the style comes from or what nationality the style is from, um, learn it for its benefits. And, you know, it might seem confusing to begin with, but actually, you know, in the end, it all comes together. And, you know, I think for self-defense, uh, you, you never stick to one style anyway. So um, my background is I've been training for about 26 years now. And um, I've been teaching for about mm, about 14 years. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's something I, I enjoy doing very much. So I've taught army, police, um, security, as well as actors, um, oh, which cool. I enjoy doing. <laughs> what, in, in, as in actors, just for their for their own purposes, or um, to for for show? So, uh, yeah, so mostly um, for show, really, just because martial arts can be broken down into three main categories. So you've got um, performance, fighting, and health. So generally, um, for actors, it would just be for performances. And so it's a bit of choreography, some stunt work, just so that you maintain distance so that you don't hurt each other. That's the most important thing, health and safety. Okay. But, um, yeah. And I've seen you do some quite artistic <clears throat> artistic stuff as well. I, my background is gymnastics, but I've done some of the sort of tricking things as well, which it, which mm. for people listening is, um, if I guess, the most famous guy is Juji Mufu, who combines bodybuilding and tricking. Basically... It's all of the flashy performance-looking aesthetic stuff from various martial arts, mostly taekwondo, I think, um, yes. mixed into a kind of flow routine with some gymnastics, some elements of breakdancing and that kind of thing. Um, so, but apart from that, I've done a little bit of judo, a little bit of kickboxing and Muay Thai, but nothing, nothing that serious. Um, mm. So have you ever had to use your... Um, what you've learned in a in a street fight or in a in a kind of uh, a, a scenario where you'd rather not. Yes. Um, so I grew. I live in Oxford now, uh, but I grew up in Telford, Wolverhampton, Birmingham, the West Midlands, mm. and um, you know I think you know gang crime is quite high there, and as as well as knife crime, and you know if you get into one fight, for instance. Even if you win, they've always got friends. They keep coming back at you. And so you can't 
Um, so you're always on edge as such, you know, and I think um, the, the, I've, I've been in a few situations where I've had to do something. And of course, you know, you reflect on it and you think, could I have avoided it? And um, for the most part, yeah, you, you know, I could have avoided a lot of those. But, you know, when you're younger, you don't, you know what I mean? You, you see it for what it is and you think, oh, you don't think about the consequences and you just get stuck in. <laughs> what, what would you have done differently to avoid things um, kicking well, off um, now? I think, um, well, I probably could have reasoned my way out. And if I couldn't have reasoned my way out, maybe I could have run. You know, I think there is absolutely no shame in running. Um, so I think nowadays, you know, uh, I think I do a bit more cardio because it's more important for you. It's good for you, you know, all around health anyway. But I think, um, you know, when I was younger, you know, there was no such thing as just running away because – you know, you've got ego, you have to stay, you have to fight, you've got to do. And I think it, that's, that was just stupid. You know, there were times where I definitely thought, or where I definitely think now, I totally could have just run away and, you know, avoided it completely. So was that the kind of thing driving you at the time, ego or pride that was say, or honor, I suppose, saying like, no, I need to stand my ground? Well, yeah, absolutely. Because when you're younger, you think, I'm a martial artist, you know, I train to fight, I do this and that. And when you're younger, you don't think that, you don't think about martial arts as being something more than a way of fighting. So it's like, um, that's something that came to me a little bit later on. Uh, I think, you know, when you watch all these Kung Fu movies, you know, um, you know, you know, I think deep down I knew, hey, you know, martial arts is way deeper than just fighting. But being young, I knew, I also knew I could get away with getting into a few scraps, which, you know, um, you know, I, I totally avoid now, you know, just because it's not the hill you want to die on. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's never, ever, ever worth it. Sure. I mean, I've, I've done door work. I've done event security and everything. And um, and even in being a bouncer, uh, for the most part, I've been able to de-escalate situations. And it's just tone of voice, you know. And I think if you're calm and reasonable, generally, um, for the most part, shall we say, um, people do respond to that and they don't want to escalate it as such. Um, of course, there are always exceptions to that. If someone's taking drugs, for instance, if they're if they're on coke, for instance, um, they want to fight. Then it's then you have to take a slightly different approach. But uh, I think um, for the most part, when I was when I was doing a lot of door work, um, I didn't I I didn't really have to do all that much you know I had my fair share but i didn't have to do all that much and i was able to de-escalate most situations without ever laying a finger on anyone else so i think you know if i had known things like this how to do this when i was a bit younger you know well probably would have been a bit easier that is the true skill i suppose to be able to de-escalate without having to resort to that interesting Absolutely. you say it's kind of substance specific as well i've definitely heard bouncers talk refer to working on the doors of clubs as dealing with children and that you have to like be really overly kind of clear and simple with your directions with people who are drunk because it just mm -hmm. doesn't quite get through. Um, yeah. And so, I, yeah, that's, it's, it's an interesting one. Do you think that your experience as a martial artist gives you a, so I, I suppose this is where it's, if it's put in the wrong hands or not, but does it give you a sense of, of confidence or a sense of, of a sizing up or estimating someone who might be a threat? And would that make you more or less likely to engage with them? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, for myself personally, um, 
if I'm a trained um, martial artist, the first if if I'm approached with a situation where I think I may have to use my skills, or I'm just sizing up a situation, um, my last resort is always something physical. So that it doesn't matter how good I am or how accomplished I am in in martial arts. That I think you know fighting or some kind of physical intervention is the last thing I ever 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 want to do. So um, I don't ever hold that over anyone. I'm not above anyone. Um, I have training, but it, it doesn't make me better than anyone else. And I think um, as soon as you have that approach where, oh, you know, you, you know, I walk into a room and I size up everyone, knowing full well that I could take everyone, I think that's a terrible approach to have. And, um, you know, because you then carry a certain confidence, overconfidence about you. It might be true. It might not be. And, um, you know, it's like... I walk into I walk into a room. All I see is people. You know what I mean. And you know, it's um, when I was a bit younger, I'd see potential threats. I'd see this, and I'm maybe being a bit paranoid. But I look at people. I think, oh, if I'm going to fight him, how how would I? You know, maybe I take his legs out this way. And you know what? It's it's not a good way to be. You know, it's like um, I definitely feel younger for it because I don't. I'm not as worked up over. Can I take this guy? Can I take that guy? It's very much, no, I'm not above anyone. I'm, I'm just a guy who trains, and I enjoy it, you know, and I enjoy passing it on to other people. And for the most part, um, I wanted to focus my martial arts as, or well, nowadays, I'd rather be a better teacher than a better fighter, you know, because it's better to help people than it is to hurt people. And it's like, um, so that if, in terms of a martial arts perspective, um, I'm always looking at how I can help people, not you know not not hurt them not do anything to cause them harm well i suppose this is attached to your your inherent personality traits and and the a lot of other kind of social structures i remember i hear i remember hearing joe rogan talk about how the the rise of mma without the concomitant um spiritual or moral principles that come along with learning a martial art ends up with a risk of attracting sort of antisocial personality type people that just want to go and kick people's heads in and it's an outlet for them to do that in a way that is semi-sanctioned and yes. that we're creating a bit of a monster by the growth of its, its popularity absolutely and i couldn't agree more um unfortunately martial arts for, for good and bad martial arts is now available to everyone so um it, it used to be a necessity for a time of war um, back in ancient China, ancient, ancient Asia, where you had to know martial arts for self-defense. Otherwise, bandits would, you know. Um, but nowadays, it's it's a choice. You know, you can learn martial arts because it's a hobby. And unfortunately, it does mean that you get these assholes who can be trained. They might not. They might be terrible people, but they might be excellent fighters. That's the that's the terrible thing. Awful combination. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I will make the distinction that a good fighter is not always a good martial artist. And a good martial artist is not necessarily the best fighter either. So I'd say, um, unfortunately, there is a lot of, and Joe Rogan is absolutely right, there are a lot of people out there who are trained. Um, and, you know, do they embody the spirit of martial arts? No. Um, do, are they trained and can they fight proficiently? Yes. And without that, um, those morals and ethics to, to help guide them, um, it makes them very dangerous people on the street. It makes them – because, you know, when if you start learning martial arts, well, the first thing is, oh, I, I wonder if I could take this guy. You know, it's, very, it's a very natural thing to uh, – 
to, to, to do. But that's why I'm um, these days in terms of uh, who I teach, I'm actually quite selective. Um, I'll um, these days for my I, I teach a, sat, a, a class on Saturdays, and um, it's actually closed door. So basically, it's um, I need to know who you are first before I teach you. Because I want to know who you are, what you're about. And, you know, for the most part, I just get, you know, people who have families who want to learn how to protect their families and protect themselves. And I also get, you know, just people who've got an interest in something creative, something different. Mm. And, um, you know, as soon as I get someone who's, I say to, say to someone, hey, you know, so why, why is it you want to train? And they'll be like, well, you know, um, you know, I just want to fight. You know, I've, I've got this this raw energy, man, and I just really, really want to like, uh, yeah, you know, get myself out there. And I'm like, okay, well, I think um, there are other classes that are actually better suited for you, and I'll send them to, you know, I'll refer them somewhere else. Um, really, so you don't actually take them on? No, no. So I'm very selective like that. But um, in terms of like, say, basic self defense, um, I'm happy to teach anyone, and I never charge for it, um, just because you know it's basic self defense, which is keeping your eyes about you, self awareness, um, you know, your surroundings, learning how to breathe, compose yourself under pressure. These are all things that are that self that's self defense. You know, learning how to talk as well, and you know. Only it, once you've got those things down, you've got the two things. So you've got composure under pressure, um, keeping yourself calm, as well as keeping your eyes on your surroundings, awareness. Once you've got those two things, um, that's probably that's, that's some very good self-defense there. And you need those things before um, you can learn physical skills. That's because I think um, if I, I could show you a thousand techniques and if you don't know how to compose yourself under pressure, um, the techniques will never work, you know. Mm. And uh, so... In terms of, say, um, basic self-defense, I'll teach anyone. Um, if it's like like martial arts and um, they've got, um, you know, they want to learn martial arts for a certain reason, you know, I need to assess what that reason is before I take them on. So, so I suppose um, this is where you, you kind of bridge the, um, what something is on the face of it, quite a destructive process into something that um, then helps people grow in, in multiple multiple modes. Um, I'd love to dive into the mindset stuff as well. Just, I, I do have a question. So you said about um, this kind of instinctive sizing people up and how, what were the situations that you were getting in, in Wolverhampton and, um, and the, the East Midlands and so on that were, that were getting into street fights? Because as far as like the, you know, instant profiling a, a guy I would not want to start a fight with a, a massive Chinese guy. Like, I think that's second only to an old Chinese man. And, like, j just because you just think, well, statistically, they are likely to be hard as hell. So um, what was going on? Why, why were people getting into fights with you? Well, you know, it's like um, you might get into a random argument with someone so you, so it's like um like uh i may have had a friend if i was out with a friend for instance and he got into a bit of argument with someone and push came to shove and i thought oh no no hang on hang on a minute you know so you try and get into the middle you know you, you play hero maybe a little and um you get you then get stuck in the middle and then what happens is you inherit that argument you inherit that fight because now you've become a part of it Anyway, uh, that hunch that was aimed for your friend comes towards you instead, and you react as you would. And then, um, you know, you, you know, you defend yourself. You might take them down, okay, and then you take you manage to get your friend away. Man, you feel like the man, you know, for however long that lasts for. 
And then, um, you know, you might wander those streets again. You know what I mean? And then the person you took out, he sees you and he's like, okay, it's him. And he's got friends. Now, okay, now I know, now I know this Asian guy, he, he actually hangs out round about here. Okay, right. You know what I mean? And it becomes a, be- a bit more premeditated. And oh, what happens man. then is okay. as soon as they find out where you go to college, for instance, as soon as they find out, um, no one ever found out where I lived, and I want to keep it that way, but <laughs> it's like uh, as soon as they find out where you go to college or where you work, um, then you know what? You've got a fight uh, whenever you don't want one, you know, and it's awful because you always, ha- you're always looking over your shoulder and that's the worst place to be because it makes you paranoid. And the thing is, even if you fight off one person, you fight off the second person and the third person, they keep coming back and there's always more and more and more. And it gets worse. It does escalate. It gets to the point where, I mean, I would have been what, you know, between the ages of 14 and 18 when all of this was happening. And it's like, um, you know, Teachers can't help you. You know what I mean? It's like, um, and you're afraid to go to the police and everything. And you're afraid, you know, and I was more afraid of what my father might say, you know, <laughs> but it's like, uh, you know, you win one fight. Okay. It doesn't mean you've won the entire battle because they, they will have friends because as soon as you beat someone, you know, uh, under those kinds of circumstances that aren't controlled under uncontrolled uh, environments, like um, if it's a ring, you know, after the, you know, whoever wins, wins fine. There's a ref, there's rules, like you both know that the fight is actually happening. It's not just like you walking along and someone comes up and sucker punches you, which has happened to me. Um, So yeah. And you just think, well, what can I do? It's awful. I mean, and and it's like, um, the problem is, you know, they might come in, come in numbers as well, multiple, multiple opponents. And you know what? It's like, you know, if you're faced off with 10 people and say six of them have knives, you like, oh, okay, okay, you know what? It just ain't worth it. And, um, you know, I think when you've got um, knives, for instance, you've you got to cut your losses, you know. It's like a, I've never been stabbed, uh, been slashed. It's not nice. Um, even if it's shallow, it doesn't stop bleeding. And because, you know, the heart is pumping and the adrenaline, you know, even a shallow cut doesn't stop bleeding. And then, you know what, you go cold from that. And it's like... Um, you know, I've seen it with broken bottles before. You know, I can, I can close my eyes and still see broken bottles coming towards my face. You know, it's not nice, and and it's like, um, it doesn't matter if you're big or whatever. You know, it's um, because safety in numbers for them. You know what I mean? I mean, I've been more or less the same build since I was seventeen. You know, so I've always been big. You know, and how, how much think, do you weigh for the uh, listeners? Uh, so uh, I'm a hundred and eight kilos. Um, <laughs> So that's what I'm not. Is that two hundred and thirty something pounds? But mm. it's uh, yeah. But no, I'm 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 I'm, no, I'm what five foot nine on a good day. <laughs> so I suppose then people see see that as a bit of a challenge in some ways. Yes. Like I, all of my friends who are taller than average tend to get more bother um, just from you know people that think like oh I'll have a go at this guy because it's it almost like it's a status thing. But yeah, yeah just the fact. I mean, just because you between 14 and 18 it doesn't make it any less dark i mean that's that's really that's quite major stuff if someone's like victimizing you following you around like attacking you in numbers with a knife like that's that's pretty serious stuff that's that's, that's gone beyond street fight that's like guerrilla warfare absolutely and the thing is with knives i mean the, the toughest fight that you can ever, the toughest fight you'll ever have is the one that you never see coming the one that you never prepare for so it's like um you know, if someone comes from behind, for instance, where you didn't see and it just catches you, you know, it's like if, if God forbid you get stabbed in the back, um, 
or something, you, you're probably going to lose the fight, you know, if, if, if they have, if there's more of them. So it's like, and the problem is nowadays, um, it's very easy to get hold of them. It's like some of the knives I've seen are horrible, you know, and, um, and different varieties of them. And, you know, um, some of them are cheap and some of them are, you know, but I, I won't get, get into, get into the gruesome parts of knives, but it's, um, I'd say, you know, generally nowadays, if you can, you know, keep your eyes about you, um, that is the most important thing. So my advice to anyone would be if you drive or cycle, the awareness that you have when you're doing those things is what you should have when you're walking, you know. So eyes on where you're going, eyes on who's around you, you know, and not to have your headphones in and not to be on your phone as well. You know, those are so important things. You know? Oh, yeah, and, and the phone thing, like you see people crossing the road on their phone all the time and you're just thinking like without even any any malicious intent they're still putting themselves in danger so you know if someone's Absolutely. actively out, out to get you then it's uh, it's a whole nother story hey johnny here just a really quick interruption to this episode to let you know about a resource we now have up and running on propinfitness.com one of the most popular questions we get from readers and listeners is, hey guys, what would you recommend for my starting calories for fat loss or muscle gain? How much protein, carbs, fat? How many calories should I eat to begin my journey as a starting point? Normally, this is something that we do for clients when they come into our program, The Propane Protocol. But recently, we have opened up the calculator that we use for all of our clients so that you can get a free calculation, a free starting point of what we would recommend if you were to start as a client with us for your protein, carbs, fats, and calories overall for either fat loss or muscle gain, customized to you and your goal. If you want to get access to that, it is totally free. You just have to go to propinfitness.com forward slash calculator, enter your information, and we will send your macros and your calorie recommendations to that email address. And we'll also send you a few free resources over email just to pad that out and ensure that you have the best possible chances of reaching your goals in fat loss and muscle gain. Hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. So I guess street fight wise, we've got um, keep your wits about you, maintain the level of vigilance that you would be when driving or cycling, drop the ego and run yeah. if possible. Do you have yeah. any other advice if let's say those options aren't possible or you're, you're cornered or whatever it is, um, what can someone do in that situation? When all else fails, okay, um, then you realize what you are capable of, you as a person are capable of. And you, sometimes you might have to do things that you you probably wouldn't do because you might be a bit, a bit too squeamish. It's like, um, you know, pulling piercings off, biting, you know. Um, it's like um, you do things that you wouldn't normally think that you would do, you know. And, um, and it's like uh, objects, what's around you, you know. It's like... You know, it's like if there's a bin next to you, for instance, you know what? If you start tipping that bin and starting rubbing rubbish all over you, who's going to want to who's going to want to hit you? Who's going to want to come close to you? You know what I mean? Or you start throwing I did not expect you to say that. You see what I mean? Now, stuff like that happens, uh, but it's all circumstantial. You see what is available to you. Speaking of which, I don't know if you've seen that video of um, this guy that goes around starting fights on people in, in the hood and then like when they when they get ready to to start on him he just drops his pants have you seen <laughs> yeah. this and in, like reliably everyone's like whoa whoa and, and, and like I, I don't know how much i would trust in that method though i think because if you've got your, your, your pants are literally down then it also means that you can't walk or run very easily yeah. either but but i see what you mean so there's like there's, there's an unexpected element to it Absolutely. I mean, um, I've heard of other more unorthodox ones where you do drop your pants and 
you know, make a make a similar kind of you know gesture. Um, and but you know, it's like that's not that's not my style. You know, I think um, there, there are definitely ways you can you know and. I'd always always say, um, if you are trained as a martial artist or you know some self-defense and someone picks a fight with you, uh, to be honest, for the most part, it's opportunity. They're doing, you're getting attacked because it's opportunity. They want something from you. They're not, they're probably not expecting you to fight back. So you generally have the element of surprise. And if they knew you could defend yourself, they would not have attacked you in the first place for the most part. Okay, not every situation, but for the most part, if they knew you could defend yourself, they would not have attacked you in the first place. I see. So they're not necessarily looking for a fight. They're just looking for something from you, whether it's your phone or, or whatever else. And I, I imagine it's, it's probably most commonly phone. Um, right. Yeah. No, I mean, the, I, the, the last two situations I've had, I suppose, one of them was someone, someone trying to take my phone. Um, and the other one was a, it was actually a Nazi. Um, he he uh, sucker punched me just from the side. Um, with his two mates, I obviously by the time I kind of got up and realised what was happening, he was walking away. Um, but to to be honest, I just thought to myself, like this is a guy who was going round punching people. Like he's clearly not a very happy person. I think karmically, I can just leave it leave it to uh, to that to take care of itself. And it turned out, I found out who he was through he, he used to work with a friend of mine. He got fired from his job because he did something racist in his work uniform. And he did community service for punching a 10-year-old black boy. So, you know, it makes you think, well, you know, there's no need to even um, try and get revenge or anything because these things take care of themselves. Absolutely. I mean, there is retaliation where you, you know, respond immediately or you do something else that's, you know, uh, I think you're right. You know, I think um, definitely that per- person shouldn't be out there, you know what I mean? And that person is, should be flagged by some kind of authority. Now, I do think um, there are some people who do have mental health issues and they do cause calm. I mean, I had to talk someone down who, um, it was, I remember he was punching the windows and I remember going out. And as soon as I went out to talk to him, um, the lads he was arguing with, they all backed off and pulled their phones out. I thought, oh, here we go, you know <laughs> You know what? It's and like to uh, be honest, man. That's balls to go and uh, go and approach a guy who's punching windows. Because if he's if he's not afraid to punch through glass, then um, yeah, yeah. Well, the way I see it was, um, if you have the capability, then you have the responsibility. You know, to to do something. Maybe it's not to intervene and and fight. Maybe it's to call the authorities. But you have to do something. Nowadays, kids just pull out their phones and record it. And I, so I thought, okay, this is gonna. I'm sure this is gonna get on YouTube. Some I've not seen the video, thank goodness. But basically, um, I talked to this guy, and I could tell from his skin tone, the he's wearing shorts, and he had, in, you know, I could see holes in his in his legs where he'd been in, injecting, and I could smell alcohol and something else. I, do, I, I can't tell you what it was exactly, but he. He was not a well man, and he was threatening to stab me and everything. And I said, "Well," and, and because he, he was convinced that someone had stolen his bike, and he wanted to stab me. And nothing he said ever made sense. And I said to him, "Well, you know, if you stab me, how am I how am I going to help you find your bike? You know what I mean?" So you know, like let's ignore everyone here. Come talk to me. You know. So it took about ten minutes, and I talked him down. Eventually, um, ten minutes felt like forever, but you know, and police came and, and took him away, and, and I didn't think anything of it, and. Um, um, unfortunately, a week later, he actually stabbed a man to death. Um, really? So you found out it was the same guy? Same guy. I was sick to my stomach, you know, um, you know, when I found out it was the same guy, because 
often, sometimes, even if you, and the thing is, the, the guy was, I think he was schizophrenic and he had some kind of something else as well. And I think he had a drug problem also, which I could see from his legs. But it's like, um, I would say that, unfortunately, sometimes when you avoid, manage to avoid a situation, sometimes you just pass on the curse to someone else, you know, and it's, so there is always that's in the back of my mind sometimes, you know, and it's, uh, but the, oh. I mean, I, I definitely see that, but there's no, there's no guarantee that if, if he engaged with you, that he wouldn't have stabbed the guy next, next week. And so, um, that's true. Yeah. That's true. And, and it's a shame. Yeah. It's a, it's a systemic failure of the justice system. I guess that it is slow to act, um, maybe for, for better or for worse. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, similar thing happened to, my my flatmate he was hit with a hit with a lead pipe on his way back from the gym the mm-hmm. police found uh five witnesses three of which were hospitalized there was a blood match on the pipe um and they identified them through the lineup but then uh the police were like when they in- interviewed the guys they were like oh no comment no comment the police were like oh well you've scuppered the justice system nothing we can do and you're thinking well what more proof do you need but yeah. so they got off scot free because they said no comment which i find really odd but um, I guess uh, I guess this is it. Um, so the, there are a few. You've got a few videos on this as well. So if you can signpost the listeners to them on in terms because you've got a few kind of um, street fight one hundred and one, I suppose, or like altercation one hundred and one. Um, we'll stick them in the show notes. The one that comes to mind is the the one where you're like grabbing onto the chin and pushing people over. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you if you know the yeah, one yeah, I'm referring yeah. to. So um, if you, generally, if you knock someone's head back. Um, so um, where the head goes, the body follows. If you knock the head back, the whole body's going to go back. But if you don't manage to take them off balance, you push the head back. Um, it actually pushes their um, – it brings their hips forwards. Um, so do you see what I mean? So you, you, if, I, if I do this, your hips are going to come forwards. And then you can actually deliver a knee to the groin. It's, it's a fairly simple one. It's um, of, of course, the same routines don't always work again twice. But physiologically, you know, if you're going to knock someone's head back, you know, it's um, – like um yeah it, it does it does tend to give you the groin to to me for instance seeing that seemed like the most high yield thing that you could do just because i've seen some of these in the past where they're like oh what you need to do is like grab that little finger and then you twist underneath and then you <laughs> you you like get the point in their left nostril and then you you squeeze and you're thinking well there's no way not only am i going to be able to remember this but to to act it out in a in a street fight that what is the average seven seconds um that they last for like yeah, yeah. so just totally impractical stuff um and i suppose that's where it comes the, the difference between martial arts and self-defense as you said i mean the, the, there is um they do overlap though i'd say you know almost any technique that you could ever think of will work if the conditions are right for it Okay, you know, so it's like if I managed to do a back somersault kick, for instance, if I ever landed it, it would be because the conditions were right and I would walk away a hero. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think I, I think uh, the video would go viral pretty quickly and there's, like, oh, yeah. But you know what? For the most part, it's not going to work. You know, it's like um, then you look like I'm, more of a willy if you fail it, um, because, especially when it's a 10 percent success rate or whatever. Absolutely. And you know what? It's like, um, not to say that I've not tried stupid things. It's like, um, you know, I, I had this one spinning psychic, which was beautiful. And I used to catch people with inspiring with it. And I thought, this is great. I remember getting myself into a bit of a situation where I thought, okay, you know, I'm going to line this guy. This was on the street. You know, 
line this guy up, you know, and I've got, I'm pretty warm. I'm pretty, you know, I was like, okay, you know, and I remember I'm going to catch him with it, going to catch him with it. I lined him up perfectly, did a spinning psychic, missed. And you know what? Ah, you know, even, even though it's like I managed to get the better of the situation, okay, um, even, even though I managed to, you know, um, I managed to deal with the situation, um, but I beat myself up over the fact I missed that kick. And I was like, oh, Well, it's oh. a high-risk, high-reward situation, I think, doing yeah. that. Um, if it would have landed, my, you know, I probably would have tried it everywhere, you know, but, you know. <laughs> so maybe for the best then. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely, absolutely. Do you think some arts are more suited to defence than others? I, I don't know if you've seen, um, there's a, they, I know they love doing this stuff on YouTube and I, I really don't know how accurate it is because I'm sure it's down to the individual fighter rather than the art, but where you have like Tai Chi versus kickboxing and you have some guy who's who's like a, a Tai Chi master and then he just gets wrecked because this guy just rushes him. Um do you think that's a false dichotomy that they're they're trying to pitch things against each other that aren't matched for that? Um, it, it really depends on skill level and the practitioner. If I get a um, if I get a tai chi guy, oh no, let's say uh, uh, let's say I get a uh, aikido guy, for instance, okay, or even a tai chi guy, it doesn't matter. I mean, um, and he's been doing it for a month, okay. Then I get a boxer who's been training for a month as well. I'm going to bet on the boxer, okay, who's, who learns to punch on the first day. You know, for that whole month, all he's going to be doing is punching. Now, you know, maybe we take it a few years down the line, okay. Um, I'd say, well, you know, even, even then, I'll probably still give it to the boxer. Maybe we go maybe 10, 20 years down the line or something, okay. You know what? Because martial arts is a lifestyle. It's a journey, you know. And fighting is a part of it, but it's not everything. And I think, um, you know, you've got um, a martial arts guy, you know, like an Aikido guy or a Tai Chi guy who will be able to, um, in theory, uh, move and flow better and actually put up a bit of a fight and everything. But, you know, ultimately, I think um, it is down to the practitioner. It absolutely is down to the practitioner. I've seen, um, I saw that uh, MMA guy versus the Tai Chi guy who gets overwhelmed, who gets taken down. And then, you know, um, when you watch that Tai Chi guy's other fights that he's done since, uh, he actually recognized that his stand-up game wasn't that great, so he actually took on some more training. When you watch his other fights, actually, you know, I, I feel for the guy because he, he puts himself out there, and um, he wants to be a good martial artist. He wants he wants to, you know, but it's like, um, you know, I, I think as a, you might be a very good martial artist, but you might not be the best fighter. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, um, like I said earlier, you know, you, you could be a very good fighter, but not a very good martial artist, you know. And uh, the guy who took the Tai Chi guy out, the MMA guy, you know, he, he, you know, you've seen him, you know, the guy can fight. He's got videos of him fighting, you know, and he's a legit MMA guy. And um, whereas I don't think the Tai Chi guy had any, any um, confirmed fights before. I don't know that for sure, but. Uh, okay. You, so in that case, it's about specificity as well. So I guess the same with the boxer. You said that if, if they're just practicing punching all day, then your bet is on them for to, to be the person who punches. And I guess if it's whether the art is fit for purpose. But then I guess the extension of that is if... Well, why is it that in um, UFC, for example, that you, you tend to see the same clusters of, of disciplines that people do? Is that just convention? Or do you think that um, there's a gap there? 
Partially, I do think there's a gap there because um, nowadays martial, mixed martial arts is boxing, Thai boxing, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, wrestling, judo. You know what? It's. It, I, I think they could mix it up a bit more. You know, I mean, you could have. You know, that could be your base style, but you know, there's so much out there. It's like Anderson Silva was learning some. Um, he's learning some some Wing Chun as well. You get some of these. Um, it's like I think there's a lot of stuff out there that. Um, you know, whilst people might disregard an entire style, there are still elements from those styles that are useful. So that's the, that's the whole philosophy. You find things that work for you, you know, and not every technique is going to work for you uh, because the conditions aren't right for that. You know, it's like, um, you know, I'm not going to be doing any anything that, say, any of the Shaolin forms, which um, because my body type isn't isn't particularly conducive towards that. You know what I mean? It's um, whereas, um, you know, Something like um, wrestling, I might be a bit better, at, you know. So it's really seeing where your strengths are, but not just working to your strengths, but also working to your, towards your weaknesses. I'd also say um, you should train according to how you feel as well, okay? Because I train when I don't want to. I wake up at half five every morning. I train when I don't want to. Because if you can train when you don't want to, you'll be able to fight when you have to. Because you because a fight happens when you least expect it. When It's a time of their choosing, not of yours. I'd hope. So it's, um, I'd also say, um, you know, you've got a Muay Thai fighter who's very, very good and everything. What happens when he's tired? You know, um, you know, he might still be able to do some clinch defenses and everything, but if you're tired, you know what, maybe that's when you can start incorporating another style to, to, uh, complement that, uh, you know, that frame of being when you are tired, you know what I mean? I see. So yeah, in terms of playing to your weaknesses. And I think, I, I did a bit of judo when I was younger, and the whole time it was very effective for what it was and for the remit that, that judo is, which is extremely close range, grappling and groundwork, but it felt so deficient as a complete thing. And I realise it's not designed as, as anything beyond what it promises, but um, it's funny because your paradigm shifts to everything that you do is like, oh, well, I'll stop the guy from grabbing my belt or like, um, you know, stop him from getting in, into this position or whatever, but you don't think he could kick me in the face because that, because kicking me in the face isn't, isn't a thing in judo. And so in your mind, the safest position to be in is curled up in a ball. Cause you think, Oh, well, no one can get me now. But then you forget, you actually neglect that in a real mm. situation, being curled up Step. in a ball is probably the worst thing you can do. So, um, and I know you said you've done a mixture of different martial arts. So you, you've, you've done quite a wide range of them from like Silat and, and, and some of the, the other Eastern ones as well. Um, do you? So I, I guess you are someone who who does multiple arts, and there are. I guess the counter argument is that you then become a jack of all trades, and that picking picking one art, especially if it's one that has had multiple influences and fed into something that's that's culminated in a in a you know a system of its own, um, that that would be a better way to go. Yeah. What? How do you reconcile the two, and then how do you? Um, because surely even the stances, even some of the techniques are at odds with each other within what you've learned. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, I've never, I never specialized. Um, and I never wanted to because I'm not a master. I never call myself a master. I never call myself a sensei or a shifu just because I'm a student. I, I will always, always, always be a student and I'll pass on whatever I know in terms of, um, 
when you're learning different things, I'm, a, I'm an enthusiast. I love the martial arts. You know, if that looks cool, hey, I want to learn it. You know, it's like if I can incorporate that into what I do in how I move, great. I want to learn that. And it's, uh, I'd say, being a jack of all trades is not necessarily a bad thing because essentially that's what MMA is. You know, you're learning bits and pieces from here and there. That's the, you know, it's like you'll be better at some things than, you know, you will be with others. It's like, um, for, for instance, uh, I'm very partial to weapons. I like weapons. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, I'd say, um, you know, I think my my, wep- my weapon skills are probably better than my my empty hand. Um, I don't know. It's uh, But then I, I'd also say, you know, it's just an interest. It's like a musician never wants to run out of playing, uh, run, run out of songs to play ever. You know what I mean? So you don't want to keep playing the same song. You know, it's like, um, so when I teach my students, I don't want them to be like me. I want them to be like them. You know, I want, so I'll teach a few movements and everything. How you then rejig it into a way that works for you. I'll happily let you work that out. You know what I mean? Okay. So, that makes sense. I so I, I'm actually, although I'm playing devil's advocate here, I'm very much of your mindset. Just because I'm greedy, I, I want to be able to just experience the full spectrum of different uh, sports, different physical activities, different um, disciplines, and all of that, all that stuff. And I know that I'm taking the the cost of that is not achieving mastery of a specific um, skill because. Mm it's it's too fun to play with all of it and but but i guess the problem particularly with martial arts is that that because of the overlap so there is always some variation yes. of a punch and so if you were to only train in a specific discipline you are greasing the neural groove to execute that punch with incredible precision whereas if you you then do a punch in a slightly different art um, you're kind of muddying the waters in that you're not right. greasing that exact same neural pathway. And I've definitely found this with doing um, gymnastics combined with some other kind of overlap art where you end up just kind of muddying your technique up a little bit. How do you avoid getting into that trap? Um, you know, it's you have to be very conscious in what you're doing. It's like anything that I incorporate into my own my own set of movements, for instance, my own preferences is a conscious decision. Now it's, um, I've been doing this for 26 years. You know, there are things that, um, I'll do a certain way, which people might not agree with, but other people from different disciplines will, you know, it's like, it's just a way of, it's like, uh, essentially I'm, you know, if you, if you ask, if I'm learning a new language, you ask me how I am. I don't just, I don't keep saying I'm fine. How are you? You know, I, I rearticulate. I find different ways to answer your question. I could have a thousand answers to the same question. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm trying to do with, with my martial arts, for instance, where I just keep it varied, keep it diverse. And um, it's just something that's, uh, I mean, variety is the spice of life. Now, I'd say in terms of um, martial arts, you'll never learn at all. That, that that's if, if i've learned anything you'll never learn at all and there's always going to be someone better than you and you know and if there is learn from them you know and it's like um people see that as competition me i see that's an opportunity hey man you've got these you know you can do this you can do that please teach me you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. like uh and then it becomes an, an exchange it doesn't become competitive you know you learn from each other and i think um that is a very conducive way of being a martial artist you learn from each other and um yeah, it, it, I'd say, um, you know, that's how you maintain the peace, shall we say. And, you know, people might criticize you in a certain way. You know, I mean, people have said, yeah, but, you know, maybe you could do it like this. Maybe you could do it like that. Actually, yeah, I, could, I, I absolutely could. Uh, now, 
if I knew that, if I knew I could do it like that, you know, and I keep doing that, I've actually learned nothing. If I learn, if I do it this this way, you know, and you make mistakes in street fights, for instance, you make lots of mistakes. Okay, it's like if you do the same thing again and again and again, you actually learn nothing. If you try something else, I'm not saying that you should. I'm not saying that you should ever fight. If you if you do something else, what happens is, um, it's like, okay, yeah, I, my plan in this street fight is to do this. It didn't work out. What did I learn? Okay, now. It's thinking on the spot as well, improvising, you know. And because if you're a jack of all trades, you have more to draw on. You don't have just one system of fighting to draw or draw one. Now, I'd say um, it very much is the practitioner and how you use it and how you apply those same under- those understandings to a situation. So um, it really is up to you. you know? Right. So it needs a base level of competence really from from what you've said there that you've done it for so long that you get the fundamentals and then you can start to play with the variables and and expand your your mind take the tapas of various uh martial arts and and, and play with them um the something that I'm I'm really interested in is the different so the range of things that you you mentioned there I can't you aikido um silat uh mm-hmm. what what were some of the other ones you said Jiu-jitsu, hapkido. Jiu-jitsu, hap- okay. So they are a mixture of, from from what I understand, of like tight body versus loose body martial arts. Um, particularly if you look at, I guess the two extreme examples would be something like Shotokan karate, which is very kind of rigid and compared to like capoeira or something where you're just fully loose and there's no, there's, there's no rigid form. Um, yes. When they're so different, even the fundamental way that you stand and hold yourself is so different. How do you, how do you mix the two? You know, um, it's. I think it's very much. Um, it's time. So basically, if it, it it's like finding a, a bridge between two islands. You know, if they don't meet, then that's fine. Maybe that's not the one you do straight away. But it's um, but you take the principles from capoeira where you are loose. You maybe you start stretching a bit more. You know what I mean. And then as soon as you start stretching a bit more, okay. And you know if you're not moving in these linear lines as you would in say karate, for instance, you know it's like actually I'm very good at moving in these lines. What if I start moving in circles? What if I start? So you start challenging your own paradigm of what you understand to be martial arts. You then change that and you become. Okay, let's see how this capoeira guy moves. Okay, and if it feels uncomfortable and it feels, you know what, this is not in my comfort zone, then you're learning. You know, nothing mm. tends to grow in the comfort zone. Uh, it's a, a bit of a cliche, but I'd say you've got to um, you've got to make those connections. As, as, you know, it's like um, you know when you if you go to a capoeira class, for instance, my goodness, you've got to be <laughs> you know, or if you go to a Taekwondo class, for instance, you got to be hella fit. You know, it's yeah. uh, I see some of these guys, and you know, I think um, I did one Taekwondo class, and my calves were on fire. You know, within, <laughs> and I thought, okay, you know, I'm not used to this. Maybe I should do more of it. You know, or maybe I should do, you know, something similar just to acclimatize myself to that. Should I ever find myself in a situation that needs those types of moves? Um, Chances are you'll never do it, but it's, um, you know, for me, it's an interest, you know, and I, I, 
I love it all. You know, I, I love all martial arts, you know, it's like, um, and I can talk about it forever. And, um, but it's like, you know, I do get a lot of, um, people messaging and saying, Hey, you know, would you fight this person? Would you fight? Uh, yeah, I've got, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't interest me, you know, it, fighting doesn't interest me in the slightest. No, not, not anymore anyway. You know, it's, uh, it's the process. It's the, yeah. the, the learning of it. Yeah. I totally get that. Um, and I suppose the other branch of that, which you're very into, and so am I, is the meditation, the internal, Absolutely. the internal cultivation of that as well. Can you talk to us a little bit about your practice? Yes. So, um, I go to the woods every, every morning to meditate. Um, sometimes I do it before my gym workout. Sometimes I do it afterwards, but it sets me up for the rest of the day. But I find that meditation is the most important when you feel that you don't have time for it. Because um, you're like, oh, I'm so busy, man. I've just got no time to stop. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. You see what I mean? It's so easy for us to do that. Meditation, you can do it within a few seconds, within a few minutes, um, and you can reap the benefits from it. It's just, um, it's essentially um, maintaining breathing, you know? And what people don't realize is meditation doesn't need to be sat still. Now, a lot of people do it when they're doing things that they love the most. For some people, it's going to the gym, you know, some people it's, it's, uh, playing football, you know, and they're so in the moment they're breathing, you know, cause they're out of breath, you know, so you have to breathe and they're so in the moment and they're enjoying it and everything. You know what they, they are, they are meditating and they don't even know it. You know, it's, um, and I think that's a, it's meditation in motion. That's what it is, you know, and everyone has a form of meditation. It might not be martial arts. It might be something else, you know? And I think, um, it's just finding what works for you. Yeah, that's such an important point because so many people I know are like, oh, no, meditation's not for me. I, I could never do that. And it's like, well, if you, you know, if, if you just see it as sitting in a half lotus with your hands in your lap, then, yeah, some people will find that boring. And it's such a, a shame that um, to be put off the whole prospect because that style doesn't work for you. And, um, you know, those same people probably are meditating, though they still have some physical practice, but they may not label it as such. And uh, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's huge. Um, (laughs) So with going out to the woods, I mean, that's that's quite a big commitment to, uh, to physically go out for that. It reminds me as well of the the quote from Dalai Lama of, uh, if you, um, you should sit for half an hour a day, or if you don't have time, you should sit for an hour. <laughs> totally Absolutely. true. Because whenever you get into that that rabbit hole of like, oh, I'm too busy, you know, I haven't got time, I'm going to sack that off. And it, it's so insidious because the next day you've, you're still fine. If, you've, if, you've, you know, if you're coasting off some momentum from previous practice and the next day you're still fine. And then a week later it's just crept up on you and then you're on autopilot. Yeah. And then it's like, oh man, like very hard to like, pull the handbrake and get yourself out. So I'd, I'd say um, with meditation, for instance, it's very much, um, you know, it's like um, just being at peace. You know what I mean? And I think um, it's very true. When you feel that you don't have time for it, that's when you need it, need to do it the most. It's like um, I like the saying that a boat only sinks when water gets in. You know what I mean? So you can't control the, the tide. You can't control the ocean. The only thing that you can control is yourself. You know, maintaining that, maintaining that, um, 
you know, so if you are the boat, you're just keeping the hull um, and keeping the maintaining the decks and everything, making sure that you are solid, you know, and uh, not obviously figuratively speaking. And that way uh, you will go where you will go, you know, because um, often we have to do things that we don't want to do. We've got to do them regardless of how we feel about it. Might as well be calm about it. Might as well be positive about it, you know. And I'll be honest, sometimes if I'm slapped with a whole load of work, I'm like, oh, no. Mm. But this is not this is not the person I wanna I want doing this task. So what I'll do is I'll give myself a bit of time out. <sighs> okay, yeah, okay. Now I'm ready to do it. This is okay, not now. the person I want doing this task. It's yeah. a really interesting yeah. point. Because if you can handle yourself, you will always have an impact over the outcome of the situation. Always, always, always. And I think I would rather handle a situation calmly than if I was stressed. You I know can see I mean? the carryover from there to martial arts now as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a very Absolutely. clear bridge. Yeah. Um, and I think being, and you know, the, the same applies at least to, to the, the sports that I've competed in powerlifting and gymnastics, although they're not fighting sports, they very much, if you're, if you're too amped, if you're too nervous or any of that, you end up just losing the precision. And even yeah. for something like powerlifting, where you'd think it's just raw aggression and, you know, just, just deadlift the bar and, you know, but actually, if you have one too many caffeine pills, or you sniff the nose talk a bit too hard, then you lose your line and you or you blow a disc or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think there's definitely a level of uh, of calm that is needed to maintain that precision and the consciousness of, uh, of working through the process. John, do you? Uh, what are your thoughts on chi? You know, you know, there is. It's like. You know, personally, um, it's something. It's very real for me. You know, it's like um, should probably define it actually as well for for the listeners. Yeah. Now I I know. um, Oh, that's great. I know some people say, "Oh, it's not a real thing." You know, but but you know what? It's like um, it's very real. You know, it's like um, it's like if I if I get you to imagine eating a lemon right now, okay? I'm sure you you know you start tearing up. Be like this. That's you can do that without even without even eating a real lemon you know what i mean now if i'm feeling real energy like this energy now whilst people might say it's not physical it doesn't have to well of course it's not you know is chi a thing absolutely it is you know it's like um um and you can you know increase it with certain practices and everything now i do know that um there are people who can take their chi energy to a very very high level where um you can actually just feel it emanating off them when you stood next to them which is which is amazing you know or either that or they're they're just exceptionally warm people (laughs) but it's um absolutely and it's something that you can feel inside you you know it's uh it's um it's like a feeling that you get from someone. It's like a sixth sense or almost when you can feel it from someone else. You know what I mean? Is that something you, you cultivate deliberately yourself? Well, I'd say because, because I meditate a lot, you know, I'm, I try to be as clear as I can, you know, what happens is, um, it makes me very open to everything else. You know what I mean? It keeps my eyes about me, you know, and, um, I'm, I, I like to think I'm very percept, perceptive, and um, but that's because this is clear. When this is clear, you are able to see much more. Okay, and so the the energy you're, you're talking about it very much as if it's you know saying that there if there is a subjective sense there, then that will impact your performance. But you then made the jump to say kind of you you know you got someone who's who has a very well cultivated one, and you, and you can even feel it off them. Mm-hmm. 
in your mind, is it something that is, is it a, is it a way to harness your own performance or is it something that is actually a measurable, um, you know, measurable physical thing if we, if we found the tools to measure it? So is it just a way, is it a way to help you to recruit muscles in a certain way and improve the way that you, that you act? Or do you think it's something beyond that? Well, it's alignment. You know, it's 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 all about um, synchronizing and synergy. Synergy is just synchronized energy. You know what I mean? So it's where your thoughts are in conjunction with your where, where your body is, and where where your attention goes will is where energy flows essentially. You know, so if you're everywhere, you know, it's like you just get all kinds. Yeah, you get all kinds of vibes off me. Um, but it's like, uh, I'd say it, it's all that synergy, synchronized energy. You want to make sure that whatever you do is in in alignment. So I get a lot of people, for instance, who they have a long-term goal, but they um, they miss out on that long-term goal with what they want to do now at, the, at this very point in time. It's like, I want to lose weight, but I also really want to eat this pizza right now. <laughs> so, you know, that all of that needs to be aligned. All of that for, you know, and once that's aligned, you know, then you can start um, – and then you can start having more of this um, more you can feel the energy you know once this and this are all aligned together you will be able to achieve a lot more you know and actually feel a lot better you actually feel a difference when both of these are together because often this is way ahead of this you know oh, 100% and you yeah you, know, you certainly feel different in yourself when it is all aligned and i think um, if anyone listening has has spoken or sat and had a chat with someone who is a hundred percent present, it's usually someone who's like, if you ever meet a monk or a holy man or something, and it's intoxicating. It's like you sat with them and you almost feel like you've just been silenced inside, and it's such a such an unusual feeling. Um, and yeah, I, I think there has got to be something um, something beyond that. And uh, a guy called Gary Weber who uh, I've been trying to get on the podcast, but he's, he keeps refusing because he says he doesn't do, doesn't do podcasts. Um, he's a guy who had a spontaneous awakening after doing four or five hours of spiritual practice every morning. And he said that um, basically one day he was in the middle of a yoga pose and his thoughts just stopped and that was it. They never returned. And he said he went into work that morning and he had to, he had to deliver a meeting. And there was the sense of like, well, I'm, I'm going to get found out. Like there's nothing that my thoughts have stopped. Like, and he said, he delivered the most articulate, um, well thought out meeting and, um, everyone, he said, everyone thinks that you're the smartest person in the room because you are the only person in the room. You're the only person who's actually all there. Mm. And so maybe it is just that. And as you said, there's, there's an alignment of your Absolutely. breathing patterns, your, your body language and all of that stuff. So that such that you are fully with someone and they feel mm. that resonance and then they relax. Absolutely. I couldn't agree. Oh, but, oh my goodness. My battery's at 4%. Ooh, okay, um, we'll, we'll wrap up soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I've just, I've just got a notification. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. And I think um, having that, um, oh, yeah, just so if I cut off, you know, <laughs> you know why. Yeah, but I, I'd say absolutely, you know. Um, so, I mean, if, if you have that, please send it to me. You know, I'd love, I'd love to, you know. Um, it was a video. Was it a? Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the the interview with him. He's a fascinating guy. His book is well worth reading as well. Fantastic. Um, ah. Yeah, he's uh, he's an advocate of a lot of the self inquiry uh, track of meditation, along with some pranayama and, and yoga practices as well. Fantastic. <laughs> Bless you. Thank mm. you. Cool. So, 
John, it has been fantastic talking to you. I think uh, given the four percent battery, we better better start to wrap things up. But have you got any final thoughts for the listeners? Anything you think that they should explore? Any habits they should develop? Or any advice that you have? Well, I'd say, you know, life is a collection of experiences. It's what you do with it that makes it worth living. But it's also who you spend it with. So, you know, I'd say, you know, um, your vibe attracts your tribe. You know, it's uh, I think that's a bit of a cliche, but I'd say, you know, there is enough in this world. The world is big enough to have, for you all to have what you want, for all you, for you all to have the success that you want to work towards. So, you know, dream big and plan. You know, um, I think... There's more than enough out there for us. What a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful message. Thank you very much. John, um, having. thank you. How can we find out more about you? So you can go to my website. It's xue-zhang. I'll send you a link. Cool. And, we'll stick um, it in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you and so much. And it's, uh, your Instagram, and YouTube, all of that stuff too. Perfect. Yeah, I'll do that. Lovely. Thanks, John. Thank you. John, you take care. Pleasure. Speak soon. <laughs> Speak to you soon. Take care. Hey, Johnny again. Hope you enjoyed that episode of the Propin Fitness Podcast. We have a short request and a potential prize for you. If you enjoyed that episode, we'd love it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. It just helps the podcast reach more people and allows us to devote more resources and time to making this podcast better every single week. In return, we are going to be selecting one of the reviews, announcing it live on the podcast every single week, and sending you two of our programs completely free of charge, both Faster Fat Loss and the V-Taper program. One is obviously a fat loss program, eight weeks long. One is the V-Taper program, which is muscle gain focused on the upper body, designed to basically get you a massive bench press, huge chest, and a massive chin-up. Who doesn't want those things? So we're going to be sending both of those to the best review. And all you have to do in order to enter this prize draw to win those two programs is to head over to iTunes or head over to propinfitness.com to get the link for the podcast and then visit iTunes that way and leave us a short review with your honest feedback, your honest comments. Let us know what you think of the podcast, what we can do better, what you like, what you don't like, and you'll be automatically entered into the prize draw to win one of these programs. We'll see you on the next episode and we hope to be shouting your name out very soon. Shout, shout, shout.